Thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Zoom Info Third Quarter Year 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this time, simply press star 1 on your telephone. We do ask that you limit your questions to 1. Please be advised, if you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to turn the call over to your speaker for today, Mr. Jerry Szczynski. Please begin. Thanks, Jenny. Welcome to Zoom Info's Financial Results Conference Call, highlighting our results for the third quarter of 2021. With me on the call today are Henry Schuck, founder and CEO of Zoom Info, and Cameron Heiser, our Chief Financial Officer. After their remarks, we'll open the call to Q&A. During this call, any forward-looking statements are made pursuant to the safe harbor provisions of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Expressions of future goals, including business outlook, expectations for future financial performance, and similar items, including without limitation, expressions using the terminology may, will, expect, anticipate, and believe, and expressions which reflect something other than historical facts, are intended to identify forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements involve a number of risks and uncertainties, including those discussed in the risk factor sections of our filings with the SEC. Actual results may differ materially from any forward-looking statements. The company undertakes no obligation to revise or update any forward-looking statements in order to reflect events that may arise after this conference call, except as required by law. For more information, please refer to the cautionary statement included in the slides that we have posted to our investor relations website at ir.zoominfo.com. All metrics discussed on this call are non-GAAP unless otherwise noted. Our reconciliation can be found in the financial results press release or in the slides that we have posted to our investor relations website. Lastly, we are participating in a number of investor conferences over the next few months, including RBC, Credit Suisse, Wells Fargo, the NASDAQ Conference, Raymond James, Barclays, and UBS. We hope that we will have the opportunity to connect with you at one of those events. With that, I'll turn the call over to our CEO, Henry Schuck. Thank you, Jerry, and welcome, everyone. In Q3, we delivered another quarter of accelerating growth with both strong operating margins and strong free cash flow generation. The team is executing well across every area of the business. Adoption of new products and new features and functionality is exceeding expectations. International growth is accelerating, and enterprise investment continues to yield results. ZoomInfo is increasingly becoming known as a category-defining company by delivering end-to-end success for go-to-market teams worldwide. This was our best-ever third quarter for new customer additions, and the leading indicators are pointing to meaningfully higher annual net dollar retention rates with expected improvements across customers of all sizes. In the quarter, we delivered GAAP revenue of $198 million, representing 60% year-over-year growth, up from 57% in Q2, and up 12% sequentially, sequentially when adjusted for the number of days in the quarter. We delivered unlevered free cash flow of $73 million, up 23% year-over-year. We closed the quarter with more than 25,000 customers, of which more than 1,250 customers have greater than $100,000 in ACV. The number of customers with more than $100,000 in ACV grew more than 70% year over year. Our investments internationally continue to be a success story. We materially grew our data coverage in Europe and expanded the number of reps targeting the international opportunity. 
We're in the process of opening an office in the UK and have already hired our first team of sales reps that will be based there. Because of our highly differentiated offering, demand for our platform is high, driving year-over-year international revenue growth greater than 80% in a quarter, with international representing more than 11% of our overall business or over $80 million on an annualized basis. Based on these results, we're again raising our financial guidance for the year. In the third quarter, we continue to expand our modern go-to-market platform and drove further innovation and integration across the intelligence, engagement, and orchestration layers of the ZoomInfo platform. Prospects and customers tell us they want a one-stop shop, a unified platform, and they want their investments across the sales tech stack to be integrated. This further reinforces the competitive moat that we are building with our unified platform. Starting with the intelligence layer, we continue to grow our contact and company information. We now have information on more than 150 million business professionals and 100 million companies. Internationally, we grew our company and contact data coverage in Europe by approximately 80% this past year, and we now cover nearly all businesses with more than 100 employees in Europe. We have expanded our healthcare data asset, adding nearly a half a million new contacts and enriching 750,000 others with supplemental contact information. We have also innovated with new data privacy features. Customers can now exclude contact data from certain geographies and create a public presence flag to highlight data that is available in the public domain. And we've built technology to support preemptive opt-outs for contacts not yet in the ZoomInfo platform. These enhancements enable our customers to control and customize their data experience in ZoomInfo and further reinforce why our continued investment in privacy is a competitive differentiator. During the quarter, our privacy team engaged with dozens of multinational customers and prospects as subject matter experts on worldwide data use and privacy. Through guidance from that world-class privacy team, a Fortune 1000 network operations and security company rolled out our global data passport by leveraging the robust set of data privacy controls offered within our platform, including master suppression functionality and region-by-region granular privacy filtering capabilities. Additionally, a fast-growing internationally-based payments processor brought ZoomInfo on in 2020 to fuel their expansion into North America. After a year of success with their North America-based teams, our privacy team began engaging with the company's data protection officer, who had more than 15 years of experience navigating data privacy regulations across more than 120 countries. Our team was able to walk through our global privacy notice framework, historical opt-out and notice metrics, and developments, and developments in, plat, in platform native controls that would assist in their compliance practices, including our pre-built do not call screening and integrated master suppression filtering. The interactions with our private teams and the innovation we brought to our industry, industry around privacy controls gave them the confidence to add ZoomInfo's global data passport across their international team. On the engagement layer of the ZoomInfo platform, we've continued to invest and engage our sales automation solution. We enhanced, email an- <coughs> we enhanced email analytics, enabling sellers to optimize their email content, timing, and audiences to improve response rates, and added an intelligent recommendations engine to deliver insights on the personas most likely to engage based on prospecting history. 
These recommendations are based on a combination of data from ZoomInfo and response activity from Engage Interactions with a seamless integration to easily import lookalike audiences that maximize future engagement rates. With these significant product improvements, in Q3 we added the most ACV ever for Engage. Since its, since its introduction in Q3 of last year, we now have more than 2,000 customers leveraging Engage to drive automation and efficiency in their sales motions. As an example, in the quarter, we closed a six-figure enterprise deal with a Swiss-based pharmaceuticals company, where nearly 50% of the ACV came from the intelligence layer and our global data passport, and the other 50% came from the engagement layer. In July, we acquired Chorus.ai, a leader in conversation intelligence, a market which we estimate to be an $18 billion opportunity. In addition to quickly integrating Chorus into the ZoomInfo platform, we are aggressively investing behind conversation intelligence, driving new and innovative capabilities to help our customers succeed and further drive our technology advantage. We plan to grow headcount on the Chorus product materially over the next year. Since the acquisition, we've rolled out a number of significant enhancements to the Chorus product. Chorus customers who use Salesforce and Engage can now automatically save call recordings, transcripts, and insights to their Salesforce CRM accounts. We also added a Chorus tab inside Zoom Info, where go-to-market teams can find their interaction history, their video call recordings, email interactions, a contact list, including those at the company with whom they've had interactions with, the ability to filter those interactions based on quick signals, keywords, and trackers, and momentum insights, where a detailed summary view of call and email activity indicates how interactions are progressing at each account. In September, we launched the next iteration of Chorus's revenue intelligence capabilities, which gives users a clear view of momentum across all deals in their pipeline. Sales leaders, managers, and reps all now have the tools that they need to analyze and identify opportunities or risks in the pipeline, enabling our customers to close more business and efficiently drive growth. We also launched the native Chorus app for Zoom video communications. The new app brings Chorus directly into the Zoom meeting experience, enabling improved tagging, note-taking, direct syncing with Salesforce, and the ability for sales reps to immediately activate specialists, overlay sales support, and others to join a call in real time. All of this investment has not gone unnoticed. Chorus was recently recognized as a strong performer in the Q4 2021 Forrester Wave Conversation Intelligence. Chorus was called out for having differentiated features and standing out above the rest and, a, and received the highest possible scores in eight categories, including sales performance measurement, sales modeling and forecasting, post-call coaching, product and technology innovation, roadmap, and others. Chorus continues to win other industry accolades as well. It was named the top-rated product in Software Reviews 2021 Conversation Intelligence Data Quadrant, recognized by G2 on seven of their 2021 Best Software Awards lists, and landed on Trust Radius's 2021 Top-Rated Awards list for Conversation Intelligence. In addition to all of the development and integration work on conversation intelligence, we also integrated ZoomInfo chat inbox from our Q2 acquisition of Incent.ai. SDRs can now be notified and engaged directly with high-priority website visitors and live chat experiences within the ZoomInfo platform.
We surround that in-app chat experience with company information, news, scoops, and buying committee data alongside the chat conversations. The ZoomInfo chat application is now supported as a Slack marketplace application, enabling sales teams to leverage robust ZoomInfo data directly inside Slack as they engage with prospects. In ZoomInfo Recruiter, we added a number of new features to improve the user experience and open up the platform for more integrations. While still early, we more than doubled the number of recruiter customers from Q2 2021. From a feature perspective, we added recruiter pipeline management, allowing users to track and manage candidates through pipeline stages for the specific hiring projects they are working on, and enabling better integration with, application, with applicant tracking systems. Through contributions from our innovation and data science teams, we added a likely-to-listen score that uses a variety of ZoomInfo data to help recruiters find candidates that are statistically more likely to to be open to changing jobs. We also added a new integration with PC Recruiter, which allows talent acquisition professionals to add candidates to their candidate pipeline. Within the orchestration layer, we added significant capabilities through our acquisition of the leading data orchestration platform, Ringlead. Ringlead ingests, cleans, enhances, segments, scores, and routes customers' data, then provides a flexible, customizable, and rules-driven approach to integrating this data into a company's system of record. In Q3, we launched our first integration between Ringlead and ZoomInfo. Now when customers export records from ZoomInfo to Salesforce, they can first flow through Ringlead data orchestration workflows, ensuring deduplication, record normalization, and routing take place before the newly added records are passed over to their CRM. With our continued investment in data orchestration and routing and triggers that initiate workflows that drive go-to-market motions, more and more customers are realizing the value of truly automating their go-to-market motions based on insights surfaced through ZoomInfo. In the third quarter alone, we saw 25% sequential growth in this level of automation from our customers through increased adoption of our workflows functionality. During the quarter, we surpassed 25,000 customers, and we now have more than 1,250 customers with greater than 100K in ACV. These customers now represent more than 40% of our overall ACV, with the ACV from that cohort growing by more than 85% year over year. Growth is coming both from expansions of existing customers and landing new customers above the 100K threshold, with customers taking up more and more products at the point of initial sale. During the quarter, we landed multiple million-dollar-plus TCV transactions with new customers. We continue to have increasing functionality that is driving success with our largest customers, driving ASP growth in that cohort, and reinforcing the increasingly central role we are playing in an organization's sales technology stack. One recent customer in the project management and collaboration space highlighted the power of our data and data orchestration platform. Their investment in ZoomInfo's data-as-a-service solutions built a foundation at the company, while they also invested in Ringlead cleanse and multi-vendor enrich to automate lead flow and remove duplicate contacts. The customer wanted to understand as much as possible about a prospect at the beginning of the lead cycle, and the speed and accuracy of the ZoomInfo platform proved critical to increasing their speed to lead, driving increased conversion rates and more revenue for their organization. 
A client in the on-demand delivery service industry is making full use of our platform in every aspect of their business. Aside from using our intelligence layer to identify their next best customers, from our orchestration layer, they've also implemented our full complete and enrichment solutions to increase website conversions and keep their customer and prospect data up to date and accurate. This customer didn't stop at the top of the funnel. They've also rolled out Chorus to their sales team to drive real-time coaching and competitive analytics from every digital interaction they have with customers and prospects. In order for us to drive success across the organization, we need a world-class team. The combination of our strong culture, which drives all of us to improve ourselves 1% every day, combined with a growing investment in recruiting and talent acquisition, has allowed us to attract, hire, and retain top talent at all levels of the organization. ZoomInfo has been certified as a great place to work for five consecutive years. We've also won awards for being a best place to work for millennials, won 11 comparably awards in 2021, and were recognized by the Mass TLC as a top company for diversity. There is a global fight for talent, and we win more than our fair share because of the culture of success we've created, our continuing investment in our people to create long-term career development opportunities, and our focus on diversity and inclusion. As a result, in the third quarter alone, we hired more than 500 employees, and we continue to hire aggressively to support our long-term growth. In closing, Q3 was an exceptional quarter. We delivered great financial results, are again raising our outlook for the year, and continue to build on our substantial competitive moat by investing in all three layers of our integrated platform, the intelligence layer, the orchestration layer, and the engagement layer. The market opportunity is as big as ever, and as I indicated earlier, we continue to build a category-defining company by delivering end-to-end -end success for go-to-market teams worldwide. With that, I'll hand it over to our Chief Financial Officer, Cameron Heiser. Thanks, Henry. As a result of the broad-based strength that we are seeing, we delivered results ahead of expectations, leading us to again raise our financial guidance for the year. We now expect to deliver revenue growth of 54% in 2021, with organic growth of 50% at the midpoint of our revenue guidance. And we are increasing our adjusted operating income guidance to 299 to $301 million, up from 291 to $295 million. We are excited about the organic growth in the business that we continue to deliver, while at the same time meeting and exceeding expectations for Chorus and our other recent acquisitions. In Q3, we delivered gap revenue of $198 million. This exceeded our $182 to $184 million revenue guidance range and represents 60% year-over-year growth, up from 57% growth in the prior quarter. The acceleration in revenue growth this quarter was underpinned by organic revenue growth of 54%, which excludes the contribution from acquired products during the first 12 months post-acquisition. We continue to see success internationally in the enterprise and with our newly launched features and functionality, all contributing to help drive the acceleration in revenue growth. International revenue growth accelerated to greater than 80% year over year. Our international business now generates over $80 million on an annualized basis. We ended the quarter with more than 25,000 total customers and with more than 1,250 customers with more than $100,000 in ACV, which is up more than 70% year-over-year. 
Customers with more than $100,000 in ACV now represent more than 40% of our subscription revenue, and the ACV contributed by these customers grew more than 85% relative to Q3 2020. In the third quarter, adjusted operating income was $78 million. This exceeded our revenue guidance range of $72 to $74 million and represents an adjusted operating income margin of 39%. This margin performance, combined with 54% organic revenue growth, is consistent with the growth and profitability framework that we set out at our recent analyst day. This increased investment in the business is intentional and is driven by the recent acquisitions and continued investments in growth. We believe that our philosophy of maintaining cost of revenue, or cost of service, R&D, and G&A as a percentage of combined revenue in the low 30s on an annual basis, then managing sales and marketing costs as a percentage of revenue based on the growth that we drive, will enable us to continue to deliver sustainable growth over the long term, accompanied by a leading profitability profile. As Henry indicated, we continue to invest in growing our team, ending the quarter with over 2,500 employees, up from fewer than 1,300 employees at the end of May 2020, just before our IPO. We expect to continue to invest across the entire organization, with particular focus on product and engineering investments and the expansion of sales capacity to drive sustained growth. Turning to the balance sheet and cash flow, we ended the quarter with $239 million in cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments. In the third quarter, we generated operating cash flows of $46 million, which included approximately $14 million of interest payments in the quarter. Unlevered free cash flow was $73 million for the quarter, 93% of adjusted operating income. We continue to expect that on an annual basis, Unlevered free cash flow conversion will be in the range of 100 to 110% as a percentage of adjusted operating income. With respect to liabilities and future performance obligations, unearned revenue at the end of the quarter was $288 million, and remaining performance obligations, or RPO, were $712 million, of which $552 million are expected to be delivered in the next 12 months. As I've outlined in the past, calculated billings and RPO can be imprecise metrics to assess in-period activity and forward momentum. As a result, we focus on days-adjusted sequential revenue growth. We delivered 12% days-adjusted sequential revenue growth in the third quarter, continuing the strong momentum we achieved in the first half of the year. The strong sequential revenue growth gives us confidence again to raise our expectations for the year. As of September 30th, we carried $1.25 billion in gross debt at a net leverage ratio of 3.4 times trailing 12 months adjusted EBITDA and 2.6 times trailing 12 months cash EBITDA, which is defined as consolidated EBITDA in our credit agreements. In the third quarter, we acquired Chorus.ai and Ringlead for a combined $665 million. Concurrent with the acquisition of Chorus, we issued $300 million in add-on senior notes due February 2029 and $200 million in add-on term loan B with a maturity of February 2026. At the time of the announcement, S&P upgraded our corporate debt rating to double B minus, along with upgrading our first lien securities to double B and upgrading our bonds to single B. Moody's also upgraded the issue level rating on the first lien to BA2. With respect to the entity reorganization that we announced in September, I am pleased to say that we successfully completed the transaction last week, 
eliminating the UPC and multi-class voting structure, which resulted in all shareholders holding the same class of stock with the same economic and voting interests. Giving all shareholders one vote per share was an important next step in our evolution as a public company. In addition to demonstrating good corporate governance, this streamlines our operations, reduces complexity, and is expected to enable the company to become eligible for inclusion in relevant stock indices. Prior to the conversion to a single class of common stock and eliminating the UPC structure, our pre-IPO holders converted the majority of their shares to Class A shares in a taxable event creating a step-up in basis. The company benefits from that step-up in basis through the tax receivable agreement. As a result, the company currently has a deferred tax asset of $4 billion and a tax receivable agreement liability of approximately $3 billion, which will be payable over time upon realization of the deferred tax asset. Additionally, we recorded gap tax expense of $42 million in the quarter the majority of which related to a non-cash basis shift resulting from the entity simplification and reorganizations executed in Q3. With that, I will provide our outlook for the fourth quarter and updated outlook for the full year 2021. For Q4, we expect gap revenue in the range of 206 to $208 million and adjusted operating income in the range of 79 to $81 million. Non-GAAP net income is expected to be in the range of 12 to 13 cents per share. Our Q4 guidance implies year-over-year GAAP revenue growth of 48% at the midpoint and an adjusted operating income margin of 39%. We are updating our full year 2021 guidance as follows. We now expect GAAP revenue in the range of $731 to $733 million, an increase from our prior prior guidance of 703 to 707 million dollars. An adjusted operating income in the range of 299 to 301 million dollars, an increase from our prior guidance of 291 to 295 million dollars. We expect non-GAAP net income in the range of 51 to 52 cents per share, up from our prior guidance of 50 to 51 cents per share, both amounts based on 405 million diluted weighted shares outstanding. For unlevered free cash flow, we expect a range of 320 to 325 million dollars, an increase from our prior guidance of 300 to 305 million dollars. Our full year guidance implies 54% gap revenue growth, which compares to our prior revenue guidance of 48%, and implies organic revenue growth of 50%. With that, let me turn it over to the operator to open up the call for questions. If you have a question, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your first question is from Stan Fosky with Morgan Stanley. Perfect. Um, thank you so much, guys, and uh, congratulations on a very strong quarter. Um, one uh, couple questions from mine. At a very high level, right? The, the international business is certainly doing really well, a very impressive 80% growth um, that you guys just put up in the quarter. But um, from a data perspective, right, um, could you help us with kind of the relative size of your U.S. data set versus the international data set? And is there anything different um, as far as building out those data sets, the U.S. data sets versus the international data sets that makes it, the process more just challenging or perhaps it's just different uh, as, how you, as, as to how you build those data sets? 
Yeah, hey, Sam, thanks for the question. You know, I think first you saw that we invested, uh, you know, two quarters ago we said we were going to invest behind the international offering. Uh, this quarter we announced that we grew our data asset in Europe by over 80% year-to-date um, and feel really good about the con- continuing investments we're putting behind that. I would say, uh, you know, there are unique challenges when putting together an international data set. Obviously, we don't have to worry about translation or multi-languages or multi-currencies in the United States or North America, really. And then internationally, we do uh, have to be concerned with those those aspects. So we've built translation layers, uh, we've built currency uh, uh, converters, we also have tapped into the different um, international data sets, government data sets that provide uh, high-level financial metrics for all companies, public and private, in different markets. And so it's a unique uh, challenge in, in, in how it's different than North America, but from a relative size perspective, I would tell you that Europe is Close, Europe is close to 90% of what you'd have from a coverage perspective in the United States. Uh, over, we have nearly every business with over 100 employees in Europe, and that's where we're, you know, really launching the international offering, and we continue to build rest of the world as well. Got it, perfect. And um, Cameron, quick follow for you. Um, you mentioned uh, you know, the, the 50%. Uh, growth target for the for the full year on an organic ba- basis, and then also just a 54% growth um, in Q3 um, on revenue. Um, if we look at billings, uh, can you give us a rough sense for you know if there was any meaningful write downs that needed to happen on Core AI or Ring Lead, and you know, what kind of inorganic impact you saw to uh, Q3 billings from those uh, those two acquisitions? So the uh, the acquisitions added roughly ten million dollars in unearned revenue at the acquisition date. Um, you know, as I'm sure I've stated before, you know, in our mind, unearned revenue and RPO and the metrics that can be derived from those aren't the the cleanest metrics that people can use to assess in period activity. Um, so you know, we're much more focused on on the sequential revenue growth. But you know, overall, we aren't going to be breaking out. Um, you know, billings from customers from the businesses post uh, acquisition. Just given that we're already bundling and have integrated those businesses, um, and the the difference that you see in the noise is probably less than the variability that you'd see from the um, from the just metrics themselves. Perfect. Very helpful. Thank you. The next question is from Stiki Sakrahi with Mizuo. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, it's great to see this uh, strength on the enterprise side, mainly that 100K uh, plus ACV customer. So help us understand what's driving. Is it more on the user side or is it more uh, you're able to now cross-sell more and more products into that? Uh, uh, yeah, so any color would be helpful. Yeah, I think we see growth in both of those cities. We see growth uh, from a user and seed expansion across the enterprise, and that just fits into our land and expand motion where we can land, a, you know, in one sort of business unit of an enterprise customer and then expand as that business unit sees success. 
And then the other is we are selling an expanding product set into the enterprise. And so where we may land with uh, the intelligence layer, we end up selling the engagement layer in, or we sell uh, uh, our, our chat functionality, our engage functionality, the course functionality. Uh, we sell our DAS offering, which is an outgrowth of our EverString acquisition last year into the enterprise uh, in an accelerated fashion. And so you really see growth in that enterprise cohort coming from both uh, new products that we're able to cross-sell in as well as new user seats and expansion within that customer base. Okay, uh, that's a great caller. And then on the Ringlade acquisition, help us understand a bit, is it is it about improving your data quality or are you able to cross-sell uh, into your customer base uh, in terms of, uh, you know, improving data quality and what, what kind of ASP or uh, ACV we would expect from Ringlade? So from a product perspective, that is a product that we're cross-selling. It's not designed for our own data quality or uh, measures. We've built, you know, a number of tools and dashboards that track that. Last call we talked about from a data accuracy perspective, we look at 138 different dashboards every day to make sure our data accuracy is continuing to improve. Ringlead is a tool that sits on the, in the customer base and allows the customer to cleanse, normalize, enrich, route, and score their leads that are coming through their different systems. Uh, from an ASP perspective. Yeah, so uh, from an ASP perspective, it, it very much depends on the, the size of the comp- customer and their relative usage of data. So the pricing for Ringlade is much more heavily geared towards the amount of data that they're orchestrating for a customer, um, whereas you know, Zoom Info pricing can be geared towards both the data that they're integrating into their systems, but also on seats and other pieces of functionality. So when you look at the, the Ringlade customers that were overlapping with, uh, with Zoom Info customers, you know, some of them could be as low as 10% of the uh, of the Zoom Info uh, ASP, some some customers can be paying even more for Ringly than they are for Zoom Info, but on average, overall, the the ASP left is around twenty percent. That's great. Thanks, guys. So, next question is from Mark Murphy with JP Morgan. It's on a very strong quarter. Uh, so, Henry, you mentioned in your script the global fight for talent. And I'm wondering uh, if you could sense that the shortage of skilled labor in the U.S. and this uh, great resignation we're experiencing is impacting uh, your customers' own ability to fill open sales roles. Um, and then perhaps if they can't, it, it's maybe causing them to digitize their go-to-market motions even more rapidly. So, but basically, I, I'm just wondering if you're if you're able to. Um, see Zoom Info being viewed as a solution, actually, for some of the labor shortages out there. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. I mean, I think first, um, within our enterprise customer base, the majority of the opportunity is still an expansion of user seats. So even if they're struggling to hire at some place, in some place in the enterprise, there's still a tremendous white space opportunity for us within the enterprise. I think where, uh, where we see the opportunity in the great reshuffle or the great resignation is in the Zoom Info Recruiter product, um, both from our ability to sell it in to customers who are experiencing that struggle to hire. Uh, we think we've built the world's best passive candidate data asset um, and have built engagement automation around it and technical and 
technical and digital tools to help recruiters identify and source candidates in a digital way. So we feel really good about that offering and the growth that we saw there in the quarter and the continuing growth that we see in the future. If you use Engage as an analogy here, um, you know, we rolled out Engage in Q3 of 2020. We now have over 2,000 customers on the Engage platform. Any point solution provider in the space took nearly a decade to get to that same customer count. And we feel very similarly about Recruiter as we feel about Engage and the momentum that we're seeing there. And so I think it, 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 serves, us, it serves us well on the Zoom Info Recruiter product for sure. Yeah, you, you've done that very rapidly, uh, no doubt. Um, Cameron, um, or, or, or perhaps um, also for Henry, the, my other question is just how many of your customers do, do you think are reaching a conclusion that Zoom Info is as important um, or perhaps more important than their, their CRM system that they've had for a long time, um, such that maybe maybe you can envision Zoom Info becoming you know, their number one line item in their sales and marketing tech stack, is, I, I think it, that was a, a topic you had touched on uh, last quarter. I think, Mark, we still envision the world as Zoom Info is uh, an intelligence and engagement solution that can help you get more out of your CRM investment. Um, and we're never fighting for dollars in a, against CRM solutions today. We're really trying to convert those systems of record to true systems of insights. And I think when customers are using Zoom Info alongside their CRM and embedding Zoom Info inside of their CRM, whether that be um, Salesforce or HubSpot or uh, any number of other CRMs out there, they're getting more value out of those platforms. Their users are engaging with those platforms in more meaningful ways, and they're able to drive the insights that they've always wanted out of those platforms. Excellent. Thank you very much. The next question is from Michael Turin with Wells Fargo Security. Thanks. Good afternoon. Helpful details around the organic growth profile. Cameron, is there anything you're able to provide just to help us think through the 39% margin and how much is impacted from M&A versus some of the broader investments you referenced driving towards those longer-term targets? Sure. Great question. So, uh, you know, when we announced the Chorus acquisition, obviously – uh, there's significant growth opportunity there as well as um, investment that's required. So, you know, the, the, the acquisition itself took us from call it low 40s down to, uh, to 39. Yeah, I think our, as we've talked about, you know, Chorus is uh, prior to the acquisition was growing, you know, more than 100% annually. We've actually been able to accelerate that already uh, through the use of our uh, go-to-market team, and feel you know really confident that we'll be able to further push that acceleration in the in the coming quarters. So we're excited about that growth, and yeah, as as we discussed before, we're still on track to make it accretive to uh, operating income in the second half of 2022. That's super helpful. Just to follow on on, on that point, just. Henry also referenced investing heavily into Chorus. I'm just wondering how much of that might be driven by some of the initial observations and customer conversations you're having now that that is um, a part of the uh, Zoom Info product portfolio versus just aligned with plans you had um, behind this product set prior to acquisition. Hey, Michael, I think the first thing I would say is 
We're obviously listening to customers and helping the, and listening to them to help drive our product roadmap in the future. So those are ongoing conversations that, by the way, are made significantly easier with Core sitting in the background of all of those calls. Um, but what I would tell you is, the investment behind Chorus is largely in line with what we anticipated when we made the acquisition, which is driven by the fact that we're seeing tremendous white space in the conversation intelligence market. Um, when we're talking to customers about conversation intelligence, it's a largely evangelistic sale. It's technology that they didn't know was available to them or available to go-to-market teams, and we see a big opportunity to continue to drive growth and innovation across that product set. That's great. Thanks very much. Your next question is from Terry Tillman with Druist. Hey, guys. This is Joe Mirzon for Terry. Thanks for taking the question. Um, at your analyst day, you noted your intention to add 30% plus sales capacity annually. Um, and acknowledging you guys, I think you mentioned you made 500 hires in third quarter. How are you tracking this target thus far in 2021, and how do you expect to shake out for the full year? Thanks. So we continue to be very focused on continuing to add sales and marketing capacity. Um, yeah, I think that that overall goal is probably over the long term. I'd say in 2021, we're we're ahead of that pace, and expect to be continue to be ahead of that pace so long as we have the kind of really solid solid opportunities to invest in. And I think you know largely driven by continuing to have a, a very large market where, again, not only is the conversation intelligence space, but also the uh, overall uh, intelligence space and, you know, the orchestration engagement platforms, a somewhat evangelistic sale. We continue to find great people that can reach out to those customers and demonstrate the value to them. So we're excited about the pace and, you know, continuing to see real performance out of that team as well. So much. Your next question is from Nicolay Bloss with Goldman Sachs. Hi, thanks for taking my my question. You specifically called out today the increase in the depth of the healthcare uh, data set. Can you please double click on this and specifically call out what type of data in the healthcare vertical you're collecting um, and your exposure to the healthcare vertical today and in general your plans for verticalizing what to date has been a, a pretty pretty broad uh, uh, horizontal solution. Thank you. Thanks, Nikolai. Uh, I think where we're focused on healthcare is at that prospecting layer, so where customers are engaging with data to identify their next best customers and then have conversations and engagement with them. And so, we believe today we cover over 90% of the the doctors in the United States within our platform, and we continue to drive expansion within that data asset and surrounding that data asset with contact information that our different healthcare clients can use to engage with those decision makers, but it's primarily around prospecting prospecting and engagement with with that vertical. Got it. And, and Cameron, a, a quick one for you. Um, the tax receivable that you mentioned, now that the APSI structure has been dissolved, how shall investors model that tax receivable and the impact on free cash flows going forward? Thank you. So the way that I would consider modeling the, uh, the tax receivable agreement is largely based on our non-GAAP tax rate. So, you know, at this point, 
um, we'll be continuing to make payments to our pre-IPO uh, holders um, that are generated by the savings versus taxes that we would have otherwise paid. But based on the way that accounting, the gap accounting works, um, you know, those payments will still run through our, our non-GAAP tax rate. And so I would think about those as just being part of the, the model in terms of that non-GAAP tax rate going forward. Okay, thank you. So it's nothing incremental. Got it. Thanks so much. Yeah. So next question is from Alex Zukin with Wolf Research. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Um, Henry, maybe just for you, you, you mentioned uh, first a couple of the large multimillion-dollar deals you signed in the quarter. You know, put that into context for us, either versus prior quarters or versus prior third quarters, and also give us a little bit of uh, scope in terms of the pipeline for those transactions going into 4Q and maybe just how those deals, you know, were driven. Is this more of an expansion of the kind of core sales intelligence skew uh, to, to more sales reps globally? Are you seeing actual cross-sell with some of the other products you've talked about? Um, be helpful to walk through that a little bit. Yep, thanks, Alex. And, uh, first, those deals, uh, those were on the new business side, so we're landing larger, and our pipeline for landing larger accounts um, on the land side is expanding. A couple quarters ago, we made the decision to specifically carve out some of our more tenured reps to manage the larger enterprise opportunities that were coming in the lead funnel. And those transactions, they are buying more than just the, the core intelligence layer. They're often buying the engagement layer. They're buying data as a service. Um, they're buying enrichment inside of their CRM and marketing automation systems. Many are buying Engage as a sales automation solution. And so we do have a much broader set of solutions to sell um, at the point of new business sale. We're accelerating that, um, and we see a large pipeline. Uh, we're building a large pipeline of larger deals for the future as well. Got it. That's super helpful. And then I guess, you know, if, if we put into context some of the enterprise uh, metrics or those customers over 100K, the – the, the sequential ad was was pretty uh, pretty staggering, I would say, uh, in in that metric, as well as I think some of the outperformance you saw versus your own guidance for chorus, which came in almost triple the the amount you 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 thought it would. Is there anything to read into at least early on in terms of the chorus traction within those larger uh, ACV accounts and? I guess to the extent that, that Michael touched on earlier with the incremental investment in sales and marketing uh, on, on Chorus uh, being leveled up, how should we think about this kind of balance of uh, sales and marketing spend in general going forward? Do we think it'll be, you know, did this new level is kind of the right level, this, this high 20s, could it go higher? And, and what's the, the way that you, you ultimately make that, that case for yourself internally? I'm going to let Cameron answer the bulk of those questions. The one that I would tell you is on the chorus side from a go-to-market perspective, you know, our focus has been largely on unlocking our account management team against our existing customer base for course, and we spent a large part of the quarter enabling our account managers, setting up demo environments, teaching, up the, teaching them the value propositions and how to go to market with course, and then creating the connectivity back from the product organizations 
to the go-to-market organizations to really drive growth across our customer base. And so we really do anticipate leveraging um, our account management team across our 25,000 customers to drive the chorus growth. And then, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's worth quarter relative to our guidance was not solely driven by by Chorus. While Chorus did outperform, we had uh, we had stated that we thought that they were going to contribute about three million dollars. It was over three million dollars, but certainly most of the outperformance was from you know other parts of the business. As we had really strong performance across the board. I do think we're we're excited about the traction that we're seeing, both with you know large customers and you know, small customers and everyone in between, and we'll continue to invest into that. As we think about sales and marketing growth, um, yeah, I think we're continuing to you know invest into our sales and marketing capacity, but you know we're always focused on making sure that the investments that we make have you know solid, efficient returns. Um, so you know. Getting you know well above that kind of mid to high twenties range would require us to you know really grow that team faster than revenue growth. And at this point, where we're growing revenue on an organic basis in the kind of low to mid fifties, uh, yeah, that's probably more growth than I'd expect for the sales and market. And getting up you know into the thirties is probably faster than I'd expect in the short term. Perfect. Thanks so much, guys. Congrats again on a great quarter. Thanks. Your next question is from Brent Bracelin with Piper Sandler. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I guess, Henry, wanted to go back to Engage a little bit. It looks like that product is approaching close to 10% logo penetration. You gave one example where it has the potential to, to 2x revenue. Uh, for that six-figure deal, uh, just versus just the intelligence layer, um, w- what what's the potential cross-sell? Do you think half of the customers could actually embrace Engage? Just give us a a little view into the future here. Given you had such good success early on here, where could that go longer term? Thanks, Brent. I think first, what I would tell you is we we expect. Engage is a solution that can spread across our entire customer base. Um, whether you're an enterprise customer or you're an SMB customer, once you invest in our intelligence layer, you want the ability to deploy and activate that intelligence layer in an automated way. Um, and Engage provides you that capability. What I would tell you is, you know, the, the price points or the ASPs, they obviously are driven by user seats primarily. And so what you would see is in, a, in our SMB customers, those ASPs are going to be a lot smaller than what you'd see in a large six-figure enterprise customer where there are numerous additional seats that it's spread out across. Um, and so that, that, that's what you would see from an ASP perspective. Got it. So to the extent that you do have broader success with the gauge that could help with the, uh, the enterprise momentum makes sense there. I guess, Cameron, for you, just a quick clarification. I think in the past you talked about servicing the international market from kind of your East Coast regions, uh, just given the, the, t- the time delta there. The momentum you had in the quarter, I think you talked about over 80% international growth. Was that all kind of driven by the existing teams, or did you actually have – initial contribution from that first UK team driving the further acceleration international this quarter? That was all driven by our East Coast sales teams. And so as we bring the uh, the UK sales team online, 
we expect a, a meaningful contribution from them as well. Perfect. Perfect. That's all I had. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is from Raymond Lynch Chow with Barclays. Thanks for squeezing me in. Um, Henry, on the, uh, if you think about the offering that you have now with Chorus included and Ring, um, the, um, how does, how's the conversation with the client changing? And does it kind of maybe, uh, if you think more longer term, uh, require a change on the go-to-market where at the moment you still have a lot of like inside sales, but you're going to become a, a larger and larger kind of purchasing item if the strategy continues to work. So, so that, how do you think about the evolution of your go-to-market? Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Raymond. Thank you. I think, look, today we're so, we're still very, very early in the transition uh, of our customer's perspective from us being a company and contact data provider to being a true end-to-end go-to-market platform. And so in a lot of our conversations today, we're really just educating our customers on all of the different ways that we can help their go-to-market motion. And so inevitably, when we get in a conversation about activating the data that they purchased, we're talking about Engage. And we're talking about driving traffic to their websites. We're talking about using chat and form complete to increase website conversions. We're talking about our website's product to de-anonymize that website traffic so that they can use our workflows product to create automated go-to-market motion. And so it's really educating the customer on what a truly digital go-to-market motion can look like. And I think uh, what we've had a lot of success doing is we really have built out a team of solution salespeople here at ZoomInfo really over the last 18 months who are able to sit down with our large enterprise clients and solution the different ways that we can help them solve problems and the different solutions within ZoomInfo's stack that we can bring to bear against those problems. And so there is more sophisticated selling happening at the enterprise level, and we continue to invest behind the resources to allow us to be able to do that. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Your next question is from Parker Lane with Stiefel. Yeah, hi. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, your Salesforce and Microsoft Dynamics integrations have been really successful on extending the value of the platform. If we think about the whole landscape of sales and marketing software tools out there, I know you had a slide in the uh, IR presentation about this. Uh, how important is it to have that same level of deep integration to all these other platforms, or is it going to be a situation where maybe uh, ZoomInfo invests to, to foster really strong relationships with a handful of those most widely uh, used sales and marketing tools? Thanks. Yeah, great question. I think um, I think where we see big opportunity across our customer base, we'll we'll uh, we'll invest in building stronger uh, integrations with the different platforms we see our customers leveraging. So you saw a couple a, a couple years ago, we significantly enhanced our um, relationship with uh, HubSpot and built a really meaningful integration back into HubSpot through our HubSpot enrichment product. Um, I think the other place where we're seeing a lot of sophisticated go-to-market teams going is having a data store um, and having all of their data from all of their different systems within a, in a unique data store like Snowflake or an Amazon um, or an Azure. And so building solutions that sit alongside the places where all of the data from all of the systems live will also be a strategic direction for us so that we can do simple enrichment um, and drive our insights within those different systems. 
Great feedback. Thanks again. Our next question is from Taylor McGinnis with UBS. Hey, thanks so much for taking my question, and congrats on the quarter. So um, the new logo activity has been impressive, and you've talked a lot about um, lands being larger and that being driven by Engage and and Richmond and other pieces. So can you maybe talk about the contribution from those pieces in these larger lands and how much of an uplift you guys are seeing um, from those relative to typical lands a year ago? And then maybe as a follow-on to that, I know you have a lot of new products with Chorus and others, so maybe any early reads there there would be interesting too. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. Um, you know, as we think about the new lands, um, you know, for Engage, which tends to be one of the more popular uh, features that people are taking at that initial sale, it tends to be a, I call it teens-ish uh, uplift in terms of the the incremental ASP that we get, but very much depends on you know, how big of a customer it is and where their seats are kind of coming from. I think for things like our enriched products, um, that tends to be something that uh, while do, people do take it in the initial sale, it's actually more often taken as part of the expansion. And certainly for, you know, Chorus and and uh, Ringlead, it's probably a little too early just to focus on the lands themselves. We've seen a lot of momentum within our account management teams. Um, but, you know, Ringlead is very exciting for larger customers because those customers that have a variety of different data sources that they're trying to rationalize and, you know, in some cases bring in Zoom Info to, you know, help drive their emotion, that's a, a great place where that complexity gets simplified through the Ringlead solution and, you know, can help us uh, drive that initial sale to begin with. Great. Thank you so much. The next question is from DJ Hines with Ken Accord. Hey, Henry. Hey, Cameron. Uh, congrats on the great results. Uh, j- just one from me for, for Henry. Um, I-, I want to ask about sales modeling and, and forecasting. It was mentioned in the script as one of the areas where, you know, Chorus scored well. Um, it-, it doesn't really fall into your core pillars of, you know, intelligence, engagement, orchestration. So I- I'm wondering if there's a sales management layer there that could be built out and, and how you think about that. I think what you're seeing that's filled on the core side around the momentum product specifically is the ability to look at all of the opportunities that a customer has in play and then use Course's analytics to flag opportunities that have that, that are forecasted to close in the quarter but have little engagement from an email or call or meeting perspective that are missing key people from the buying committees who uh, that are opportunities that have never gotten above a director level. And so we're using all of those, those analytics really to inform the forecast and to flag anomalies across the opportunities that are forecasted to close. Um, we see a good opportunity there in leveraging both the, the tremendous amount of digital interaction data that's feeding off of Chorus and the Zoom Info intelligence layer data um, to flag anomalies across the opportunities. Yeah, okay. It makes perfect sense. Thank you. The next question is from Rishi Delorio with RBC. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for 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 taking taking my question. Uh, and, and really nice to see continued strong results in this environment. Uh, I wanted to just go back to the commentary around uh, the, the the kind of tough hiring environment. Uh, you talked about how recruiting can can help companies in this sort of environment. Wanted to go one step further and. You know, what do you think would be kind of the, the appetite to go more deep into training? Because you're already doing a little bit of that with, with, with Chorus, right, uh, to help school, close that skills gap to help make better, you know, make existing employees more productive and, 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 and really just better overall. Uh, you know, do you think that would be an area that you'd explore going deeper into either via acquisition or, or building something out yourself? Thanks. Hey, Rishi, thank you for the question. I think, look, what we focus on from an M&A perspective are tools and solutions and software that sales, marketing, and recruiting professionals are using every day in their in their workflow. Um, and if one of those solutions can be enhanced through our intelligence layer and our data asset, those are really interesting opportunities for us from an M&A perspective. I think learning and training is a is an interesting area. You're right that within Chorus, uh, we've built a, an infrastructure that allows you to save best practices playlists and key moments and calls that significantly reduce ramp time. MongoDB saw a 40% decrease in ramp time of their account executives when they brought Chorus on. And so we think we have a tremendous opportunity um, to really drive learnings across an organization through course, but no immediate plans to um, to go really deep in the training and learning space. Great. It looks like our next question is with uh, Pat at, uh, at JMP. Uh, Jenny, if you can open up Pat's line, please. Oh, great. Great, thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, hey, Pat. Yeah. Hi, Henry. Congratulations. Amazing. Thank you. So, you know, we're getting to the end of the call, and um, I'm hoping you can just sort of explain to us where this is all going, right? So um, we have you guys at a $16 billion market cap. There's Gong that just raised at $7 billion and Outreach at $4 billion, and um, – Gartner's laying out this whole revenue operations vision. Is, is that where the world's going? How, what, do you, what do you see this category being a couple years out, and who do you see the big players in it, and how are they differentiated? Is that too much for the end of the call? Uh, no, but, Pat, I will just point out that, um, that you know, I think our market cap is actually much larger than you quoted. Um, one of the oh, benefits of our reorganization is that we've simplified the chair counts and everything else. But I think we're north of 25 as of the close today. Um, just don't want anyone confused by that. But I'll let Henry go into the where's the space going. Yeah, and I think, Pat, I think it's a great question. I think the way we think about, um, you know, first we look internally at our own operations. How are we going the market? We think we run one of the most sophisticated and efficient go-to-market engines in the world. Um, and so we're looking at how, what we're leveraging, uh, what tools we're either building for our own go-to-market uses or buying, and which ones are mission critical, and which ones get better with our data. And then we're, we're looking back at our own product and saying, if these tools were integrated inside the Zoom Info platform, is that competitively differentiated? And so I think what you've seen us build and buy are really opportunistic looks at how we go to market. And conversation intelligence is a key part of that. 
Um, sales automation is a key part of that. Website chat is a key part of that. What we really see is a future where companies want all of these solutions integrated in one place and driven through their systems, systems of record. What they don't want is for an account executive to sit down at their seat and have to log into 60 different platforms just to do their jobs. Um, it's taxing, it's difficult from a management perspective, it's difficult from a training and onboarding perspective, and we think we have a real opportunity to bring that into one place and then drive its effectiveness with our data and intelligence layer. All right, that's great. Thank you, Henry. Thanks, Bob. Your next question is from Brian Peterson with Raymond James. Thanks. This is Jason for Brian, and thanks for taking the question. Really strong results in international. Uh, I know you guys set up the, the first team this quarter, but how do we think uh, more broadly about your international expansion plans as we finish out 2021 and head into 2022? Yeah, we see tremendous opportunity internationally. We think we're somewhere in the bottom or the top of the first inning internationally, and uh, you know, every time we step up to bat there, we're getting hits. And so we think there's a big opportunity there. We're going to continue to invest behind it, both from a data perspective and from a go-to-market perspective. Um, and so I would expect to see us continue to drive growth internationally, um, both in Europe and outside of Europe, and continue to invest in our uh, go-to-market and product differentiation in those regions. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Brian. Great. Thanks, everyone. As Jerry... <laughs> Thanks, everybody. And as Jerry indicated, we have a very active IR calendar in Q4. For more information on where we'll be and which events we're attending, please visit our IR website at ir.zoominfo.com. I appreciate you all joining us today. Thank you. That concludes today's conference. You may now disconnect.